Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I wanted to talk to you tonight. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to listen. But I wanted to talk to you tonight about dedicating the temple. We talked about etiquette of the temple. So I wanted to talk to you about dedicating the temple. You know, you're the temple. Do we need to keep saying that? I, I don't want to get lost. I don't want you to get lost because it's really important. Just everything that's, that he, they sang about, he loves to be father. He loves to be father. And so, again, you know, he has to have kids to be father. My favorite thing to do is be a father. Father you. So let me father you. I was thinking about the temple, and I was thinking about, I know if you've been in church a little while, you probably have heard some teaching on um, the temple, um, how God laid that out because it was pointing to something. And so um, I was thinking about processing through the steps of the temple um, and what was required as you were processing through the temple to get to the Holy of Holies. And so I was thinking about that, and I was also thinking about what does that look like with our life to do that? Because once you enter, then there is um, a way that you dedicate yourself once you're in the temple or the Holy Spirit is in you, if you want to say it that way. So, you know, first of all, just real briefly, can I give you just like a real quick thing on that since we've heard it before? Can I give you a real quick thing on that and get, get us up to speed? So, you know, when you come into the gate, the east gate, then you come in through Jesus. There's only one gate that you enter. And so we, that makes sense to us, right? There's only one way which you can be saved, right? And that's through Jesus. So when you come into the gate, it's interesting because the first thing that you run into is the uh, brazen altar. And so when you put a sacrifice on that, you had to do a process before you did that. And the process was really interesting because, now think about, think about the temple and think about, it's all about Jesus it's all about Jesus getting you to the holy place, intimate connection with the Father, if you can think in those terms. So when they had to bring a sacrifice, um, and he, he wanted them to do that, and it had to be perfect, of course, because we're talking about he was trying to get them acquainted with what the sacrifice was going to look like. And so he had to bring a pure animal. And what I love about that is he taught them that they didn't bring their own sacrifice in the way that, let's say it was a lamb. They had to take the scapegoat, and they had to take what they knew that they were carrying that was an affront or an offense against a holy God, whether it was relational ways they were doing things or whether it was carnality or whether it was... Um, 
impurity in their dedication to God, whatever it was. So they had to have a scapegoat, which meant that I take all of my sins, my condition, and I place my hand on this animal's head and I transfer all my sins to this blameless animal, this sacrifice. And then that's the sacrifice that I'm bringing to God to accept, to forgive me. So, I mean, think about that in your relationship with God even right now. Sometimes we are still doing that old thing, either trying to bring our own sacrifice of religion or we're doing that, that old thing where we're, we're trying to approach him while we're still carrying that. You can't even start the approach unless you have an awareness that I, I can't even be in your presence without Jesus. And so that's just the start. So that's where we start. And then once we come through that door, then immediately we go into a, a cleansing basin or a washing. And so don't you love that? Because see, you have to get that. You're coming in through Jesus. You recognize as he's the sacrifice. You let him be that sacrifice for you. And you're bringing yourself another step where he's washing you. And so he's washing you in a couple of ways. He's washing you with his Holy Spirit. So don't, don't lose that right there because that's major. Then the Holy Spirit has a place. And he's washing you over with his words with his ways, with his thoughts. Because it says, you know, in John 1, that Jesus is the living word of God. So Christ is the word, if you want to say that. So say if Christ was a person, then he would say, I'm the living word. Everything I say and do is communicating something about God. So he's washing you. So we, have, we really want to, I'm trying to help you with intimacy, really is my end game. So I'm trying to help you with is intimacy. So we don't have to act like we're trying to approach him in intimacy without coming through, allowing Jesus to be our sacrifice and taking care of all that old stuff. And then we want to let the Holy Spirit wash us. I love that process. I love that process with him. When I'm engaging with him, speak to me, show me where I'm off, say anything to me. Where's my heart right now? Boy, I just love that. So he's always speaking. And then from there, you move into the next intimate place. So are you catching that? We're, we're, we're coming through a certain way to intimacy. And if you get stuck out here without living in the sacrifice of Jesus and letting him wash you, it's real hard to experience intimacy. And, my, and he made the way. So why? Let's come. <laughs> right? And so... Whenever we've already come through that, then we can step into the next intimate place. And what I love about that is the outer court um, is representing body. The inner court is your soul and the holy place is your spirit. So you're, bringing, you're, you're practicing bringing your whole self to an encounter with him. Let me say that again. You are practicing having an encounter with him, with your whole self. 
so that, that I bring my body, whether that's my mind and what I'm thinking, what I'm carrying, what my soul's doing, what my spirit's doing, what I'm doing with my actions. I'm bringing me and, and coming under Jesus, whew, getting that washing that I'm always in a perfect place. I'm always in a perfect place with him. Let me say it again. I'm always in a perfect place with him because he made sure that I was. And so I don't live under condemnation and guilt and all that. I repent and I get up, I get to a good place. And so I bring that into the next level of intimacy. And I love that because in this next place, then the first thing that you run into is a lampstand that's lit up and it is, it's just the life and the light of Jesus. It says that he is the light in the life of every man. I mean, my favorite thing when we got our new house is that painting that Aubrey did where Jesus it is so powerful. Oh, I just love that painting. I designed my whole room around that one painting. I said, I got to have that. I want it set before me. Everything in my sanctuary of my room is going to be around this. It was that painting of Jesus and coming out of him was all of these rays of light. And you could just, who you can just sense the power that exudes from him into you, into your circumstance, everything you're doing, it's powerful. Yeah. So I decorated my whole, everything around that. And so what it's saying is, I love this, John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning before time was the word Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. All things were made and have come into existence through him. Okay, that's you. So you're good. You're good. So what does that tell you? It tells you that you thrive in life when you're aware of your connection with him. That's what that tells you. It's that picture. When you're aware that he is exuding the person of who he is into you into your circumstances. So, all things were made and came into existence through him, and without him not one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life and the power to bestow life. That's that picture I'm talking about. Whew. Right? So, oh. As we're talking about intimacy, you know, one thing over the years that I have learned is I've learned to present myself. And I have learned that I really need you. And I've learned that no matter what condition that I'm in, that life force wants to find its way to me. It's that lampstand that's trying to come and illuminate and light up and speak to things and, and distorted places, correct those. It's who is trying to bring that life force into the way that I'm seeing or I'm experiencing something. The power, he, he in him was life and the power to bestow life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't understand it, nor could it overpower it. So I'm just saying, 
when you're coming to intimacy, when you come through this way, through Jesus letting him wash you, and then you, as you keep coming, what you encounter first is his empowering life force and light illuminating every aspect of you. I love that place right there. I mean, I could get stuck right there, honestly. I love that place right there. And that, I mean, that can look a lot of different ways. That can look like an encounter and having an experience. That can look like, like I already mentioned, your heart being off and he, he's speaking to your heart because anything that's dark, he's saying, let me, let me illuminate something right there. He wants to get in there. And so whenever we're open that, when we present ourselves, man, this, I know this is a stinky attitude. I know this is the wrong heart attitude. I know I'm off here. And you, I mean, I just get down there and I just say, oh, God, yes. <laughs> that was such a stinky attitude. You know, I really, really need you. I really need you. And I'll just, just, I'll just come from that place right there. Come and illuminate. Come and show me. Yeah. And, boy, you can feel who. When Jesus comes and he begins to talk to you about your heart, he begins to wash over you with truth. He, he begins to illuminate different things. Well, remember this. Well, maybe that affected you more than you knew. Yeah. Let, me, let me heal your heart right there. Yeah. And it's this place right there. It was such a beautiful place. You, you don't want to skip that place. It's very beautiful. And so then from there, you know, a couple more things you can encounter in this, this next place is the bread of his presence. That's, that's a good place, isn't it? So think about that. This is in your soul or the middle part of you coming. You start out here with your living sacrifice of you and you get to decide how you come. I'm not engaging in that. I don't feel like that. You get to decide how you come. And as you come and you begin to experience all of these aspects of him, then he's saying that I am the bread of presence. You can feed on my connection with you right here. It's the life source for you. Didn't Jesus say I'm the bread of life? Yes. I love that where he says, um, I have food to eat you don't even know about. Yeah. <sighs> it's connection. It's, it's spiritual connection with him. I love that. So another thing that I love in that is the, the table of bread. And the, believe me, I, this is, I'm just kindergarten chopping at it right now because I'm trying to go somewhere else. But the, the bread of his presence, it says it's the bread of his face. So when you're way out here in this outer place, and you haven't dedicated yourself. <clears throat> and I'm just saying, make move. You got, you got the seed of God in you. He is, there's a connection going on right there. Give way to the connection. And that connection, as you're doing that, is bringing you into his face, which is, to me, his fathering, who, which feeds every aspect of you. You know, the lie of self-help, <laughs> the lie of self-help or self-sufficiency or self-doing it or self is you're absent of that life source. Futile. Wasted time. Wasted time. 
Some of us are doing that. I'm just saying it's a waste of time. Do something else. Do something else. Do this, this other thing. It's so easy. It's so easy. <clears throat> Another thing in there is the incense. And so I love that because in that place of intimacy, I am pouring out incense to him, and he's also pouring out to the Father incense over my life, so I'm well received. And so then whenever my soul is participating that kind of way, when my body says, this is what we're doing, this is how we're coming, and, and he's, you know, the soul and the body are participating, then when you step into the Holy of Holies, then that's where you're face to face. And, you know, that's where there's the mercy seat. You can't be there without mercy. But you're, you're there because of mercy. So everything that you receive is mercy. What we just did tonight, him being sweet to you was mercy. Wow. You know, it's so life-changing to understand that this is how we come and encounter him there, and it, it really changes us. It, it deals with all of that, oh, that pride or that arrogance or that you know, stubbornness and all that because it breaks down, you know, our our body and our soul t to a place where it gets under the spirit. And the spirit is that life force is trying to come out and feed every aspect of you. The bread of his face. That's wild, isn't it? Ah. Dedicating the temple. Ephesians 3.19 in the amp. May you come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ which far surpasses knowledge without experience. Hmm. That you may be filled up. See, this is a process I'm talking about. Whenever we're mindful that I needed Jesus as my sacrifice, and I'm look, I, I'm really depending on the Holy Spirit. Man, Holy Spirit, I can't do anything. Yeah. I can't do anything without you. And I'm letting him speak to me, regulate me, talk to me. My motions are not running amok doing whatever they want to. You know, my little feelers. I mean, you're not going to be offended if you're in intimacy. Because you receive mercy in the holy place, and so you give mercy. So if we're not there, then we want to continue this process of practicing coming all the way into intimacy and being filled up. I mean, don't you love that? He said you could be filled up. Yes, you could be filled up. My intention is to fill you up. Yeah. If you stay in the outer court doing your own thing, then that's not where the drink is. That's not the life force that you need. You got to get under the life force of Jesus to get yeah. into the, the face of the Father and fathering.
or you begin to get fed whoo, by fathering. Did you feel that? But who he liked that. Well, he wants to feed you with fathering there. Oh, I love this. That you may be filled up throughout your being. I want to fill up your being. I want to fill up your mind, your emotion, your attitude, your personality, your physical man, your spirit man. I want to fill you completely. You know, I have a guy that I'm working with right now, and he's a drainage expert. I like him a lot. His name is Blaine. He's been in business for a really long time. He knows how to divert water. And so think about that. How good are you of being an expert of knowing which way the water's flowing and getting to the water? The river's always flowing. I can't hardly get through this verse. <laughs> that ye may be filled up. This is, can you hear? This is the Father's desire. I desire to have you fully. I desire to have you fully. That you may be filled up throughout your entire being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience that you can of God's presence in your life. I love practicing presence, don't you? Completely filled and flooded with God himself. That's his desire. So I wanted to talk to you, and I, I want to, can I be run through here kind of fast because I know it's a little bit later, so I'm, I want to kind of hit some things, but I'll try to not dilly-dally. That scripture, too, so you can go back and look at it, was Ephesians 3.19 in the AMP. Okay. Um, you know, three days ago, God started talking to me, started reminding me of that word that Christy had given a couple times on strictures. Do you remember that? And she was talking about strictures, strictures. So what I want, I felt like he wanted to emphasize a few things about strictures that he wants to break in this season as we're coming through this process to experience intimacy. And so strictures, um, and I, I'm going to give you basic again because that's all we need. So basically... When you have an autoimmune disease, think about that. You've turned on yourself. Can we just start there? When you have an autoimmune disease, it causes inflammation in the physical in your body. And that, that is generally, it's a perceived threat. So the threat's not even there but you perceive a threat. So you go into self-protection. And you begin this autoimmune partnership of attacking yourself. And then it causes a scar tissue 
to begin to form in that part of the body where things are trying to flow. Isn't that wild? We can do that. We can do that. Because we're way outside of design or prescribed way to dedicate our temple and live. And so you have to go in there and you have to expand it and break that scar tissue. If you do not change that message, it continues to say, hey, there's a threat. I need self-protection. Things get sent to that location. Well, maybe it's your place of pity. Maybe it's your place of selfishness. Maybe it's your place of whatever. You send that there. And then it gets inflamed and it gets irritated, doesn't it? When things get inflamed, they get irritated, right? And then it causes more scar tissue until it can completely shut off flow and be death-threatening. Put that to your spiritual life. So I was just thinking about strictures, and I was thinking about, you know, since... I've been on a journey for about 30 years with him now, this year. And so I remember where I first started trying to learn how to come. And so I started thinking about what were the things that I experienced in that journey that helped break those strictures for me. And so, see, we're on the journey, too. And so he wants to break those strictures because he wants to fully fill and flood you. That's the goal. And so I was thinking about some of those. I was thinking about, gosh, where I was. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> um, and what he began to use on my journey to break these strictures where I was, you know, hurt or angry or distorted or off or whatever you want to call it, whatever your stricture is. You're probably acquainted with yours at this point. You're old enough to have experienced those, whether it's pity or whatever it is. Uh, and so I was thinking about um, one of the first things that happened was that I had met Teresa at this volleyball game that I was refereeing at and so then we kind of started being friends and then then I got to kind of start doing some things with her family which is really wild right now because I, when I met Patsy she was 60 and I was 30 wow. and now I'm going to be 60 this year and she's not so anyway that's really interesting you know I've known them for 30 years and so that was kind of interesting and think about I'm 60 now I met Patsy when I was 30, and she was 60, and I was in the condition that I was in. And then now I'm in a, a better place, we could say, yeah. where I've had some healing where I can be a spiritual mom like she was to me. And so you're behind me at 30, so you, you are on your way toward spiritual momming. <laughs> Or dadding, you know. 
And so we're all on this journey of each other. So who are you going to, who are you going to father and mother? And they father and mothered me and I'm so grateful for it. So who are you going to father and mother? So we want to deal with these strictures because he wants to fully flood you and fill you. And most importantly, he really wants to have you just live in that intimate place with him. The place of connection and safety. But a couple of these that he helped um, break off strictures and helped bring me into my identity was kindness sown by others. Kindness sown by others began to break the strictures in my heart, began to break my bad evaluation of myself. I began to encounter kindness, encouraging words, sort of like what Tessa said when she came to the house and people even knew what she liked or considered her. That is speaking to you matter. You value, we value you're a person. It begins to break those strictures off that you're seen, you're known, you're loved, and, and people care what you like. So kindness sown by others was one thing. Um, a lot of that was with Teresa and her family. Um, Oh, gosh. I mean, just all kinds of things. Just going over there and Patsy would just do really special things for you and just cook special things for you. I mean, still today, 90-something years old, she still gets me a can of cashews every Christmas because she knows that's my favorite nut. You know, so that sort of that sort of ministry, if you want to call it, that kind of love breaks strictures down. It, uh, it eliminates that orphan thing that tries to stay in place nobody sees me nobody cares nobody does anything for me that kindness breaks strictures down another thing that began he began to come after on my journey from here passing through to intimacy was um, the way that he began to come after my victimhood and my powerlessness You know, when you're a victim, then you, if you're going to be a, choose to be a victim, and yes, I said choose, if you're going to choose to be a victim, then you're going to hand over your power. Every person in the image of God has been given authority for your soul. So if you choose to be victim, then what you're really doing is you're handing over your power and your authority. So he began to come after that. That victim, uh, uh, everything's got to be about me. Is anybody not thinking about me? If somebody else gets something good, like Sarah said in her slides the other day, then there's that jealousy, and it makes you feel bad that something good's happening for somebody else. <laughs> Thank you for breaking that off. Oh, I'm so grateful. And how he began to do that is what we're talking about in this um, challenge that we did the other night, Monday night. He, be, he Instead of me standing in a place of victim and requiring everybody to do everything for me, 
he began to require me to do things for other people. Yeah. And that's, there was a low flow right there in the beginning. And not much, not much flow coming through there. And he began to come after that scar to break it open so a flow could start to come through my life. And things, oh, I'm telling things that he would require for me instead of standing back wanting things and challenging me with things. I just wrote a couple of them down. When I retired from school teaching, I had all these things I was going to do with that. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. One of them was buy a motorcycle, Lenny. Me and Lenny were on that in heaven. Me and Lenny? Yeah, in heaven. I was going to, I had a plan for me. I had a plan for me with that. And he said, no, buy this nice, expensive keyboard. I'm talking about this was early. That was hard. But, you know, but I loved him and he gave me the grace to obey. So I, that's what I did. I spent it on getting the keyboard. And then another thing he had me do um, on my birthday, you know how we get that me thing on my birthday? On my birthday, he said, okay, listen, it's your birthday, so plan to redo this bedroom. You're going to do the labor. You're going to go get all the stuff. You're going to paint a room. You're going to buy your all-new bedding, blah, 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 the whole thing. I mean, that bathroom that she had was the biggest bathroom, and it took forever to paint that thing. But, but that was good for me because it was breaking down that stricture of me-mindedness. And it's like he was requiring that of me. And so, boy, don't you know when you're in the middle of that and you're hot and you're sweating and you're moving furniture and it's your birthday? And you're expecting, this is not what I was thinking on my birthday. I thought people were going to take me out and buy me presents, you know. And, oh, it was, it was a stricture. But selfishness and me-mindedness was such a stricture. And so, pff, this is how we begin to break it. And so, boy, I did. I got in there, did all that, bought all that, and hated me. It's still, and so I did it anyway. I mean, think about when somebody said, oh, thank you, Pam. Thank you. I mean, that's even another thing, right? That kind of feeds that thing, you know? So that it was, it was really good. Can you feel it? Can you feel that stricture breaking? You feeling it? Um, another thing was when we moved to Colorado to do ministry, that the people that we lived with, we, one reason that we went, we went to do ministry and went to help them with their marriage because before we left to um, Colorado, they were going to get a divorce. And so we were counseling them. And so we moved in with them to really invest in their marriage. And I mean, we, just a lot of investment there. And we lived in the basement of their Colorado house. And um, it was just a weird time, so I can say for that. But... <laughs> What what happened basically was that um, we had sold our house before we left Oklahoma, and the paperwork and all of that got hung up, I mean, for months, you know. And so we had planned, okay, we're going to sell this, we're going to have this, and we're going to go ahead and move. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and move. See how God worked all that out? 
or we're going to go ahead and move. And now we're in a position that we have nothing because all of our money's hung up in Oklahoma. And so we were remodeling this 4,500 square foot house for them, working really, 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 really hard. And they just had some other mindsets, but whatever that happened, it was all God. I can just tell you it was all God because he was breaking those strictures. And so we didn't have anything. We weren't eating hardly anything. Somebody one time had given us some sprinkles and we had a banana. So we were eating a sprinkle, so banana with some sprinkles on it. And we just didn't eat much, you know. But that was such a beautiful time for me, and I would do it again. That's where I learned to say, Daddy. And I would go in my room on my bed, being in such lack, and being under people who were putting heavy burdens on the very people you were serving, and having nothing for extended periods of time, and I would just, all I could say, it's just daddy. I would just sit on my bed, I would just say it over and over and over, daddy, daddy, daddy. And that strengthened something, and that built something in me to not just look for something for man to try to, to get my soul comfortable. I sat in that place with him, and, and I would just say, you're the one, just you, daddy, and I'm going to stay here until daddy comes. And so that was another one that helped break strictures for me. And the the beauty of it is that, gosh, he did so much there. One car that for some weird reason that I really liked was a, um, I think it was a Honda Pilot. She goes and buys one of those. And then she goes, and just think, think about it, it's, it's her and and then when we helped restore their marriage, they were able to get pregnant and had a little daughter. And so that was her and their daughter. And Brian would go to the store, and she would buy so many groceries. I was like, why are this, what's this many groceries for two, two and point two five people? <laughs> and God would require me to go up and unload her car from her when I'm down there starving. Go up in her pilot, unload her bags after bag. I don't know how many, how she got all those groceries in that car. Bags and unload them and put them away for her. Yeah. When you're starving. And then all, they have all that. So one time, they were gone for a couple of days. And so I went up in their cupboard and I stole a can of soup. And... <laughs> And I brought it down, and I said, Teresa, look, I got a can of soup. She said, go put it back. I was, I, it was true. <laughs> you know, so see, even your, those mind, that's another stricture, would say, yeah. we're serving these people, we're doing all of this, yeah. we're down here doing blank, blank, blank. We deserve at least a can of soup these People got in their cupboard. I'm just going to go get that soup myself. Wow. So I had to go back up there and put that can back up there and then come back down to hungry. Well, it was good because he that trained my heart that that's not mine, that's stealing. So you better reroute 
and look back to me as your source. Oh, can of soup. Can't remember what kind of probably wild rice because I love that kind kind of soup. <laughs> I mean, this is real stuff. This is like breaking down those strictures, and it's his mercy that's saying. I don't want to let you keep living there because it's getting in the way of your intimacy and me fully, fully flowing through you. And plus, for you to be happy. I was so miserable. Ugh, trying to get my way all the time. It's a lot of work. Um, gosh, you know, another thing that he would help me with is on value because I'm such a likable person. People would always favor me and want to give me positions. And I would I would just decline those because instead of wanting a place or a position or a title to feel good about myself, I wanted to be fathered more than I wanted that false glory. So that was another test. Where, you know, that where you feel like, well, that kind of boosts your value. You walk up to the scene. You're the head of everything. We're rhyming. We're rhyming. You know, and, and that's that's the way. And then you can, that can feed you. And you're like, I, I sacrifice that. I serve that up. And I just say, I want to be fathered. And so that was another stricture breaking. Um. Recently, you know, even in this last year, something really fun for me has been going on that I like. Um, if I've been thinking about something that I might want, then uh, then I will tell him, hey, I kind of would really, really like that. And then I wouldn't make a big deal out of it to everybody else. And I would let him decide if, if that was good for me or if he wanted me to have that or... And so instead of me trying to make it happen or get it or whatever, then I began to just say, hey, you know, I really like this, but I, I'll let you decide. And I go on my happy way. And there's two big ones that happened in this, this last year in that regard. And so, see, we're always working on breaking those strictures of our heart because it affects the purity of our relationship with him and it affects the purity of how the Holy Spirit flows through us. Um, so if you wanted to summarize all of that, I think that I was learning not to look at man, but my father is the source. And when I was thinking about that today, he, was, he just told me that little scripture in a little whisper, it was cute. Every good and perfect gift comes from your father above in which there is no shadow or shifting or turning. I'm full on fathering you. So really to break strictures, you want to um, really push into requiring yourself to trust him yes. with you. Yes. Instead of manipulating people or getting your own way or whatever, you know, even having all that reaction in your soul, you got to, you got to surrender that on the altar. You decide. You are the. You know what's best for me. And so that has to, that process has to happen in order for him to fully fill us. But every good thing about that, every good and perfect thing comes from the Father. 
had this thing happen in the last couple of months that was very interesting because it was just a threat. You know how Lou comes to kind of give you a threat, you know? And it was really fun because I had this, this event happen where uh, one of the installers that we're not using anymore had done an install at a job, and it was pretty big. It was in the thousands of dollars. And the way that he installed um, wasn't correct, and it failed. And so I started getting these um, certified letters from the lady, you know, wanting wanting basically, you know, me to pay for everything by, I mean, you know, take ownership of, of this person's um, job they did. And so I really, I mean, I, I can say that I give myself A plus. I feel like because all of these uh, things that I've passed through, that I didn't let that intimidate it. Intimidate, intimidate me. It's like, well, if I have to pay $1,000, we'll just pay it, won't we, Daddy? You have no shortage, you know? And then I would pray. I just pray that you would work that out, and he would tell me things to do. And so I would call one person, and we'd have a group discussion, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, it got resolved this week. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And the person really did have to own and take responsibility yes. and step up and do the right thing. But really, it was just a stricture test to see if I had slipped out into being my own. Wow. Like, I could have went behind him. I could have said a bunch of stuff. I could, you know what I mean? All of that, you know. And I'm just saying those are those things. He's always testing our heart because of the ways that he wants to flow and, and, and the things he wants to do with you. And so we've got to, um, this is the more that we do this processing through, I'm under you, I'm yours, I'm washed by you, you can speak to me, I'm always listening, I'll obey. If you tell me to put the can of soup back, I'll put it back. You know, I won't just eat it anyway, I'll obey. You know, and as we're doing that, then the light of who he is has more access to us, begins to illuminate who we are and that life force infuses us and then we we get to see the bread of his face which is oh that just fills us up you know and then we we get to step into even that more intimate place connection with him and so you know that that is sort of um if I could say I wanted to encourage you to think about you know dedicating your temple because you are beautifully holy you know, you are beautifully holy. And so, you know, you don't want to take a, a beautiful structure and go in and start spray painting stuff all over it. You know, you want to honor the thing that he's doing in you, which is calling you his son or his daughter. I want to honor that. And so it doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but it does mean that I bring my heart it does mean that I let him influence me and affect me. It, it does mean that I defer to him instead of myself. And that is uh, that beautiful dedication that he will, when that temple gets dedicated in that way, who he comes and fills it. The glory fills the house.
So to wrap up, I really wanted to read this last scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. You got time for this last one? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Abe. <laughs> I'm trying to find out I didn't pull it up. Oh, I love this. If you're looking this up in its second Corinthians chapter nine, look it up in the Amplified. See what it says the title of that chapter is. Did you see it? What does it say? Yeah. You know, we do this weird thing in our orphanism with, with our strictures in play. We act like we're doing so much. I'm doing so much for you and for people and for people I'll live with and for you, God. And he's like, I give the most. Don't forget, I'm giving the most. Yeah. Yeah. So go on down to nine. Let's don't forget he's the one giving the most. He, the benevolent and generous person. We're talking about generosity, right? Yeah. Scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Think about that. Mm, 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 mm. What he gives that you receive, he calls righteousness. Yeah. And then the acts that you do and the things that flow from your life, he calls those action, righteous acts. That you could have something that you could produce that could be righteous, that could be holy, that could have an impact. I mean, think about, I mean, that's why I got so overclimped up here a while ago, just thinking about Kenny and Patsy and Teresa and their family and just how God had done the most in their life and how that came across my life. Whew, I mean, it just, just wrecked me, you know. And so he gives the most, and what he's saying here, going down to 10. God is the one who provides seed for the sower. He gives you seed to give away. I give, God gives the most. Don't be acting like it's you. Don't be acting like he's taking out your personal bank account or your personal this or your personal that. God gave every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. So what do you have that's not his? See, you wish I'd wrapped it up sooner, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, we've got, that's a stricture. Yeah. If we think everything's our own and we will, you know, arrogantly decide what we do and what we won't do and how we'll do it. Will, will I invest in this person? Will I go the extra mile when, when the Holy Spirit prompts me? Will I pay for this? Will I, you know, all of that is pride. And that's a stricture. And so you might have to do some of these practical things. Like I was saying, he might be, and I'm sure of it, going to require some of these practical things for you to do to break that stricture and align you rightly that I'm the one giving the most. I'm giving you the seed to sow. Don't be acting like you're doing this grandiose thing. I'm the one that gives you the seed, and I want you to sow it. I also give you bread for food. So see? He's, he's doing both. God gives the most. 
I'm giving you the most. I'm giving you everything relationally. I'm, I'm doing it all. Everything that you have right now is because I gave it to you. And I will continue to give you seed if you're sowing and bread to eat. He's the one. And not only that, but I will provide and multiply your seed for sowing. Okay, now listen, that's, that's going to hit somebody right there because we talked about generous mindsets, wealth mindsets on Monday. And I know we need some more work in that area. But listen what he just said right there. I will provide and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your kindness, and your love. You'll be enriched in every way. And you may be generous, and this will be administered through you. What are we losing out on there? If you're acting like you're losing out on something, you're a fool. Hey, Tracy, you're a stiff-necked fool. <laughs> right, Tracy? You're a stiff-necked fool. That's a funny joke between Tracy and us. I mean, you've got to write that. You've got to say, you don't, nothing is yours. Everything that you have is his. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And he's wanting you to sow some of it, and he's wanting you to eat some of it. And you need to figure out which. And if you do, he promises that if you will give seed, I will keep giving you more. You will never run out of seed. You'll never, 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 never run out of seed. So you can see how strictures come against our ability to come through a process with him of gratefulness and intimacy to counter mercy, which makes us want to give mercy and be kind and sow seeds and, you know, give here. And he's the one. He gives the most. So I just, just say, just say, I just break off fear because you give me seed to sow and bread to eat. And the more seed I sow, the more seed you give. Yeah. Mm, isn't that good? Just say, God, you give the most. You give the most. You've already given so much. You'll give more and more. There's more in you. Oh. All right, I got to read it right, and then I'm going to finish, okay? Number 10. He who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide... And multiply your seed. Now, I'm just saying this is going to be a time in your life for some of you where you're going to be in the place I was when he was saying, give your, all your retirement money and buy someone a keyboard. Give your birthday up and all of that money you would have spent on yourself, sow it to somebody else. He's going to be requiring that for you, for you to go to the next place and be broken out of some places that you're stuck. And as you do, I want this to be your anchor and I want this to be your confidence that he says, if you will do this with me and break out of those small fric uh, strictures, then I will, you'll, you'll begin to see me, you'll begin to trust me, you'll begin to be free. Just like this threat that was so cool for me to find this month yeah. is that you can't threaten me because I'm loved. I'm in love. How can you threaten me? You know, and so he, he's trying to get us there. 
because it keeps us in a place of maturity, consistency, faithfulness, where it's always on. The flow is always on. You can't threaten me where I go, oh my gosh, I'm over there panicking. Oh God. Oh, you know, where we're in this unsettled place. He's wanting us to learn. You can give all of this away that I tell you to give away. I'll give you food to eat and you can trust that I'll keep giving you seed to sow. I give the most. Don't be ridiculous and act like you're giving the most. Don't act like I'm going to run out. I give the most. I give the most. He provides seed and bread. He provides and he will multiply your seed. He's wanting to tell you, just like you did in Malachi, test me and let me prove it. Test me and let me prove it. I mean, for years, I would go to cathedral praise in this place where I was in my heart and the dedication of my temple. And I had a lot of immaturity and I would empty out my wallet. I would not go into his presence without an offering. And for, I mean, the Holy Spirit would prompt me every time I go, every time I go, I just empty in everything. I would take jewelry. If I didn't have any cash on me, I would take jewelry and I'd throw rings in there. I would, because I wanted to have something. I wanted an offering to bring every time I was in his presence. And so I'm not, even, I'm not even putting anything on you. I'm just saying these are the ways that we break out of these strictures where we're acting like we've got to hang on to everything. And then that's all we ever get because we're in so much fear. And he's saying, don't be ridiculous. I give the most. I will multiply your seed for sowing. That is your resources and increase the harvest of your personal righteousness, which shows itself in your active goodness, kindness, and love. As you participate in this, as you break free in this, as you trust his fathering in this, then you start to break out in the thing that's always in your heart to do, to be show kindness, to, to show goodness, to impart something here. There's it opens up because you said, I will not be restricted here. I will get under the flow of your fathering, which never stops. So just say, God gives the most. You give the most. You're a good father. Every good and perfect gift comes from the father. Yeah. So Papa, we love you so much. Our hearts are full of yours. I thank you that in this season you're coming and you're breaking off the strictures that keep the flow really, really low in our lives. I just thank you that the strictures are coming off. And Holy Spirit, we fully trust you. We trust your Father and we trust your voice. And I just speak that there will be a grace to obey in Jesus' name and see how you are a good provider. And so, Papa, I just bless your people. I thank you that you are the one challenging us in this season to uh, look into the generous mindset, the wealth mindset, because it's you. And so I declare we're going to be a wealthy mind people. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay